It's time for another edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast. I'm Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber. I'm the Denver 7 overnight producer Joseph Peters. And it is a fine, fabulous day today. It is 60s, almost 70 in February. We like that. They got a new Big Mac at McDonald's. They got a new Big Mac at McDonald's. They, um, well, I don't know what else there is out there. Do they have anything at Wendy's? <laughs> uh, you can reach us via email at the driving, I guess it's, a, let me say it the right way. Driving You Crazy Podcast at gmail.com or on Twitter, Facebook. I want to mention also my weekly Friday Facebook Live broadcast that I do, well, every Friday, where I talk traffic, but uh, in an interactive forum. So you can actually ask questions or bring up topics and issues right then and there. It's, it's usually a lot of fun. It's interesting as well. You get to see the studio uh, from my perspective. You get to see my desk and all that, uh, all this, the accoutrements there in the main studio. And I'm open to answer just about any question that you have. Uh, no matter what is what is the question, whether it's traffic or not. Uh, and you can also sometimes see interesting people coming through the studio. Um, we had appearances from surprise guests all the time. Uh, again, anyway, it's Friday at 9 a.m. Mountain Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That would be 8 a.m. Pacific. We really don't care much about the central time zone, right? About as much as the rest of the country cares about the mountain time zone. Right? <laughs> okay, well, all right. 10, 10 a.m. Central. Uh, and you can see it on the Denver 7 Facebook page. You could also see it uh, on the Jason Luber Traffic Guy Facebook page. If I remember to share it when we start the broadcast, I, I remember about half the time. Uh, anyway, I hope to see you on Facebook this Friday. And if you watch and, and also listen to the podcast, then why don't you mention that, that you hear, heard it on the podcast or you listen to the podcast, and I'll give you a special shout-out or something like that. I'll just be sure to mention it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, do you do you have a radio up? Do you like to listen to your radio up pretty loud when you're in the car, Joseph? Uh, yes. You I do. do. Okay. So it'd be hard for you to hear maybe even an ambulance if it was driving by you. I don't think I don't think my radio has ever been that loud. Well, ambulances in Stockholm are testing a system that would interrupt your in-car audio system to warn your you if you're driving that they need to get through. So this system, what it does is jams your radio and then takes over the broadcast and broadcasts a voice warning that you hear in your car on your radio. And there's also a text message that appears on the radio display. Uh, it's going to be available to alert cars that have radios turned on. So if your radio is off, it obviously can't help you. But it can also interrupt your CDs or your music connected via the Bluetooth, anything like that, as long as your radio is on. It's it's going to take over. This is a terrible over. idea. Terrible idea. Terrible idea. Why? I don't need a voice shouting at me to get out of the way when I'm on the highway and I'm already going fast. Like the last thing you want is to be in the zone listening to music and all of a sudden here's some lady to tell you to get out of the way because there's an ambulance coming. No, I'm good. <laughs> and there's no way it's not going to be like an abrupt thing. It's going to be like you're listening to tunes and then it's that crackle of the radio and just shouting. You know, and if you are listening to your radio loud enough you, where you wouldn't be able to hear, hear an ambulance, it's not like they're going to be volunteering. Controlled is just going to go out at the same level that you were listening to. So she will be shouting at you. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> what if you're just driving on a surface street and you just you're just all zoned out and you don't you're not paying attention? Isn't that worse though? If you're like doing 15 miles an hour, you're not really thinking. You're like looking at the apartment, and then you hear you need to get out of the way. Like I'm not saying I would do this, but there are people out there who are, who are liable to just jerk the wheel to the left out of habit because they heard the voice, and now yeah, they're out of the way, but they also just cause another crash. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, the Swedish government. I like your thinking. I'm just saying. Uh, it says this device fulfills three functions, improving accessibility for first responders, improving road safety, and making the working environment in transport better for vulnerable professions. 
I have no idea what that means. The city will begin testing the system in a limited number of ambulances and fire engines with plans to expand it across the country later this year. The warning system can work out how far in advance messages need to be heard depending on the speed of the traffic. So what is that, like three interruptions? Like you're going to get an interruption that you're like a mile away and then another at a half mile and yes. then it's now you need to get off the highway? Now move it, you, you, you dumb jerk, because <laughs> now you're impeding our progress. Why didn't you and just And there's a dying over? person in the back of our ambulance and you're just there tooling around, jamming out to uh, your Kenny G or... <laughs> what, what? How did you know it was Kenny G? Well, you know, I know how you roll. All I'm saying, put him in a helicopter if it's that important. You don't even have to worry about this problem. We have been hit pretty hard with some problems on RTD, right? Uh, they've been having problems with the signal timing on the A-line train. That's the one that goes from downtown Denver to the airport. Well, you might be as surprised as I was by the findings of this new study that examines the speed and efficiency of airport public transportation systems worldwide. Get this. It ranks the A-line as the fourth best in the country. Fourth. More, more great news here. The study by MileCards.com looked at four factors. Time saved versus driving, passenger fares, frequency of departures, and convenience like availability of luggage storage on trains and things like that. So looking at only U.S. airports, MileCards.com judged Atlanta's MARTA system to be the best. Then they have, in order, Chicago CTA Orange Line to Midway, Chicago CTA Blue Line to O'Hare. So, I, I don't know. I guess that counts. That should be one, right? I would think if so. You should combine those. And then Denver's new University of Colorado A Line to DIA. And then New York City's Long Island Railroad JFK Air Trans connection to Kennedy Airport came in at five. So this is what they say about the A Line. This is what they, they said in the story. This new train is the only U.S. option to earn a perfect 25 points for convenience. It's a direct line to the city center with handy luggage storage. Even better, departing travelers can leave their checked bags right outside the train at a designated bag drop station. The train is only about a minute faster than driving, but with Denver airports over 30 miles outside the city, it can be a big money saver, they say. Now, all things considered, if the A-line ran more frequently... Then its current 72 times a day, Denver's shiny new train would have scored significantly higher on their list. Now, on the on the timetable, the A tri- train, it should take, when I was looking at it, it should take 37 minutes from downtown to DIA. Now, with regular flowing traffic, you could make that trip in a car in basically a bit under 30 minutes. Right. So they're one minute faster, I don't know. Now, according to MileCards.com, U.S. Airport Public Transit has quote, plenty of room for improvement as only six of the public transport options are generally faster than driving, unquote. So what they're saying is it might be sometimes more convenient. I guess you don't have to find a parking spot. You don't have to have the maintenance or the gas or leave your car and and have the charge for parking and that sort of thing. But still, it's not necessarily faster. So let's say you had to get out there an Uber or a Lyft or a cab or a limo or or whatever. Limo, for sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, so looking at only a public transport options versus taxi, Ubering, driving time. So if you're just looking at that, just six of the 50 busiest airports are served by transit options can save time on a typical weekday afternoon. Just six. Mm-hmm. And that's because usually they bypass a lot of congestion rather than that, that they're really fast. So MileCards.com went on to say, on a good congestion-free day, You'd be hard-pressed to find an airport transit line in the U.S. that rivals drive times. So they're basically admitting that it's not really a time-saving from point A to point B if you have a Uber and a train going at the same time. Right. That you're actually going to arrive there more often than not 
in the car than you will faster than you will on the train. Which makes a lot of sense. But my, my biggest problem with this survey is it seems like they're operating in the hypothetical or the wishful thinking sort of world rather than in reality. Because when you were talking about their criteria, one of the things that it doesn't mention is actual consistency, an actual rate of getting you right. there on time. And as we all are aware in this city, RTD's A-Line is suffering from a big public relations problem that wasn't helped by the incident earlier this week that was out of their control. But it definitely has that black cloud hanging over them where it feels like they just can't get it right. And so far, the fact that they still have con- the flaggers at most of these crossing uh, areas seems to vindicate that theory that they just can't get it right. Yeah, and it's the signal timing that they're having a problem with because they're trying to use this system, this computer system, that tells the crossing guard arms, the ones that will stop traffic, when they should go down and when they should come up so the train can operate at optimal speeds because the train should be able to go like 70 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, and if it's going from the station then it just zips as fast as it can, it should everything be timed out perfectly where the guards go down the train rolls through they come up so everybody is moving at top speed whether it's the cars or the trains but that system is not working right 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 well and i think the other really interesting takeaway from this and i think it says something about where we're building airports is that on a good congestion free day you'd be hard pressed to find an airport transit line that gets there faster than drive time but then the ones that are getting there faster because they're bypassing congestion rather than because they're fast and what that says to me is that the trains that are actually working are the ones that either cut a line through places where you consistently see traffic jams or where they're creating a path where there wasn't a path before. And neither of those is true with the A-line. Yeah. And, you know, it was great when, when the airport, when the Denver airport was over at Stapleton, it was just a few miles right from the east side of downtown. It was 10 minutes by cab. It wasn't that expensive. It was actually very convenient uh, to mm-hmm. have it out there. But then they decided to make the all-weather airport and move it way out to BFE. And <laughs> and uh, and this, these are the problems that we've had with it. Well, I mean, if they moved in another half hour east, you might finally get some return on that A-line investment and have have something that can consistently beat travel times. <laughs> well, I would say that most drivers, they don't like the photo radar system, right? Or the red light cameras. Unless you stop at every red light, right? Like, right. In which case, keep them coming. How I- about cell phone cameras? Okay. Well, this story from Australia, where they are looking at using cameras set up right next to the road at intersections to see if you're using your phone while they're driving. So they have these cameras pointing straight down in the driver's compartment to see if you're using your phone. Now, the Australian Road Safety Commission has announced it is, quote, observing a demonstration from a Sydney company designed to capture illegal phone use in moving vehicles. Now, that company behind the technology, it's called Parking Strategy. They recently detected 418 infringements during a 12-hour period while watching traffic in Sydney. The company says 90% of the drivers know the dangers of using their phones while they're driving, but a majority of them still did it anyway. So... If you're using your phone while you're stopped at a light or driving a little bit, then they know it because they get the cameras watching you. And because this reminds me, someone the other day asked me if uh, he should pay one of those photo radar tickets he got when he was uh, when he was driving mm-hmm. down one of the Denver streets. He, I guess he was going 42 and a 30 or so, and he, he got dinged. Um, there are many places around the country, not just Denver, that use these vans or the camera systems that will take picture of your car if you're speeding. So it's a picture of you and your license plate and your car as you're going down the road. Right. And in Denver, they have it set up where you have to be going at least 10 miles an hour over the limit. 
And then it takes your picture and you're issued a citation in the mail. They're supposed to have a sign ahead of that saying that photo radar is in use. Most people don't even pay attention to the signs because they're just distracted by beyond belief. So when you get one of these, it has your license information, it has your car information on it, where the violation happened, and then the photo of the front of your car where you can also see who was driving and then your license plate as well. So at that point, you can either pay it or you can protest it. And if it wasn't you, you can fill out this information on the ticket and then you send it back and, and deal with it that way. They also ask you to identify the real driver if you say it wasn't you and it, there was somebody else driving. But you're not really obligated to do that. It's not really a court of law when you, when you do that. Or you can just ignore it and file it in the old round receptacle, the trash bin. I've heard different advice from different lawyers about these tickets. Now, some lawyers will say that an officer has to personally serve you for it to be an official citation because that's what really what a real ticket is. When you're handed by an officer, it's actually a summons to appear in court. But they on the ticket, they actually give you the opportunity to plead guilty in exchange for fewer points on your license, the convenience of not having to go to court, face your accuser. That's all part of, remember the Constitution? Uh, other lawyers I've talked to say, if you mail the, just mailing the ticket to your home, that's sufficient enough to say that they served you. Um, but uh, obviously some lawyers disagree with that. If you decide that you don't want to pay it at all, you'll receive another notice in the mail if you ignore that one, then really, as far as I know, nothing else ever happens to you. Because here's my experience. I, I did receive one of these in the mail a long time ago. I didn't pay it. I talked to a lawyer who said that's exactly the advice he would recommend to me. And so he said, just just ignore it. Don't pay it. Just leave it. And if I did have a problem, eventually he, w- he would represent me for free. He was just so confident that I should just ignore it. And then he'd, he'd take care of it. I said, okay. Well, then I received a second notice a couple weeks later. I, I took his advice. I ignored that one, too. And since then, nothing has happened. Nothing. And it's been, I, I, it's been a long time. Right. Uh, I have not, not received another letter. Officer hasn't showed up at my door to serve me personally. I don't expect that will ever happen. I haven't received another ticket. I haven't been pulled over for anything. So I don't know if, let's say, they go, oh, wait a minute, you didn't pay this fine here. Mm-hmm. Or I, didn't, I, I haven't been out. Let's say get a parking ticket, anything like that, right. where they're going to boot my car. So, because I don't know if really you do get pulled over by Denver police if I'm issued, let's say, a par- parking ticket. If if my photo radar failure to pay that shows up somewhere, and then they boot my car, I, I don't know if that actually happens. I doubt it. Um, my gut tells me it, it, I, that nothing's going to happen, but you never know for for exactly sure. So I'm pretty confident that the citation is written off the books. It vanishes like a ninja in the night. Well, that's just it. You wouldn't know until you saw your car booted, right? Because otherwise it just extends into infinity, and you're like, well, still not in trouble ten years later. So I told the person who asked me about the ticket they got my experience, and I said to him, hey, you have to make up your own mind. Uh, It sounds like he was going to pay it to, to, this is what he said, just to be safe. Now, I've heard that from other people, too, mostly women who ask me that question. Um, and I have a feeling that's the reason most people pay the tickets, just to be safe so there isn't a problem in the future, so they don't have it lingering out there in the back of their head. Because uh, I think most people aren't comfortable fighting City Hall or or not playing by the rules. I, I have a problem playing by the rules. Right. Uh, if you look on message boards about what to do, you're going to see so many comments about the legality of these tickets as well as the photo red light camera tickets um, out there. So there's a lot of different advice. Uh, and, I mean, in my case, the camera took the picture just as I was entering. There's this ramp 
that goes through the interstate from this side road. So I was really increasing my speed. The, the speed limit, I think, is is uh, 35. So anyway, I'm increasing my speed um, up to 45, and that's when I got dinged. So really, I, I think this is one of those gray areas. For me, where, where the road was splitting from the surface street to the highway ramp, where the speeds obviously are going to be higher, uh, and, I, and I think if a real-life officer saw me do that, he would never have stopped me because he would have seen that I'm going to the interstate and I'm just going to start increasing speed, right? Right. But, but that's the judgment call a real-life person would have over the photo radar thing that, that's just sitting there, right? So the law about paying these tickets probably vary from state to state. I can only speak of my experience here in Colorado, but if it happened again... I don't think I would pay it again. I don't think that re- I don't think that just it remembers how many photo radar tickets you've received over how many years. Maybe right, or maybe you get them in consecutive days or maybe consecutive weeks. They they might have a problem with it, or it's just a bigger fine, and yeah. you, all of a sudden you wind up with a bill from the state of Colorado for four hundred and fifty dollars, and you're like, "But I just ran a red light, guys." <laughs> I'm not I'm not maliciously trying to, looking for speeding tickets or go speeding so I think I can go get another one, but that's just what happened to me. Right, you've lived here long enough where you know where you can get away with speeding and where you can't. <laughs> I do know where a lot of the police traps are, though. <laughs> That, that is always a good good thing to know, uh, where some of the cops like to That's hang right. out. I just don't want to see you call in one morning saying, I, I can't make it to work, i got a boot on my vehicle. That's all I'm worried about, Jason. <laughs> well, coming up, you can sit back. Can you sit? Do you think, because I, I, I want to be a little bit more fit. Um, do you think you can sit and be fit while you're driving? You don't just get in shape by driving. Uh, my right foot does. There you go. Uh, we'll look at that and much, much more as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. I'm Lisa Hidalgo, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with the crazy himself, Jason Luber. Being on the field is fun because it's different every day. You really don't know kind of what you're going to walk into in some cases, which can be interesting. Uh, But you get to meet a million different people and you get to hear their stories and then tell their stories, which is a really cool, both part of the job, but also really cool part of what we do on the morning show specifically. Jason Grenauer, only on Denver 7. Hello, I'm Nicole Brady, and I think everyone should watch Denver 7 in the mornings. We have the most breaking news of any station. Uh, My job is devoted to finding the newest uh, information on breaking news stories all over the world here in Colorado and nationwide. Uh, So we like to keep you updated with new information all morning. It's more than just news, but if you do want the most up-to-date news plus Uh, some lightheartedness in the morning uh, to get you out the door. Definitely watch Denver 7. Nicole Brady, only on Denver 7. You got a lot tied up inside Got Jesus on your mind And a boy that just won't fight Baby, it's a grind Welcome back to the Driving You Crazy Podcast. I don't know why I did it that way. The best smelling podcast in the West. At least that's that you'll have to take my word for it. 
Only at, like right after I get out of the shower. Every other time of day, not smelling so good. No, you're not smelling good right now. I don't now. understand Cause I, cause why. You're, you're, I mean, what? You're only about three feet away, but I still can't smell you. You're right. I guess if I was actively smelling bad, you probably would be able to tell. Yeah. But mediocre is not so last segment, we talked about uh, distracted driving, right? Well, recently, the chief of the Colorado State Patrol, he wrote a letter to the entire state because he's fed up with all the distracted driving deaths and overall vehicle deaths in Colorado last year. And I was thinking about this because um, there was another death today as uh, there was a tanker that rolled over over this, yeah, this uh, tanker truck that rolled over on I-76 near Federal today. And you, and you can clearly see that, that somebody died in this crash. And we covered another one yesterday morning during the morning show where somebody, it sounds like, intentionally drove onto the uh, railroad tracks for the A-line, the you know the rail that goes out to DIA, intentionally drove his car onto the tracks and let the train hit him and the, and in the car. And so he died. And so that's why I was thinking about this. So the letter from the state patrol chief reads, Last year, more than 600 people were killed on Colorado roadways, including one of our own state troopers. We are witnessing a troubling trend of increasing deaths despite improvements in vehicle safety. Most troubling is this. Every death could have been prevented, not by the government, but by individual drivers who made mistakes or worse, made conscious choices that had disastrous consequences. We must stop making excuses and we must return to acknowledging personal accountability. We are all responsible for making Colorado roads safer, every single one of us. So the letter continues, When road conditions are bad, we must choose to slow down. When the road is dry, we must choose to obey the speed limit and focus fully on driving. When we are running late, we must choose to accept the consequences instead of endangering others in our rush to catch up. When we want to have a good time, we must choose not to drive under the influence. When we see emergency lights ahead or behind, we must choose to be courteous and move over and allow room for other drivers to move over. And when we get in a vehicle, we must choose to buckle up every time. Pledge to be accountable for your behavior behind the wheel and then hold your family, friends, and loved ones accountable too. This is the only true way to prevent needless deaths on our highways. Sincerely, Scott Hernandez, Chief, Colorado State Patrol. I think peer pressure is really important in these situations because you don't... Good good drivers don't generally, like, go around telling bad drivers, like, hey, shame on you, you know what I mean? Or, like, hey, you really should have done this differently. Or, hey, you were too aggressive in this situation, trying to not be late for school or whatever. And so I think when you see a Facebook post like this or you see a letter like this and it gets shared and people really get behind it and they put their own little messages to it, that makes it a little bit more personal as opposed to just some voice in the void reminding everybody, hey, don't be dumb when you're behind the wheel. I, I think it's pretty well said. Yeah. I think Scott though realizes that he would like to see a hundred more state troopers on the highways, but that you know that's not going to happen. It's just there's just not enough money for that. That's why I think he was employing drivers to make those choices, and it's put the put the onus on everybody who who drives a car. You know, right. I think he chose his words very carefully because he was talking about you make the choice. You have to do this as the drivers. We can't do this for you. We're not going to do it. We're not your your government nanny. You need to make the choices to stop killing yourselves, people. Uh, and the way people, though, today are driving, I, I fear this letter, unfortunately, might fall on deaf ears. But 
Um, anyway, that, it was just I, I was thinking about that because of of what's been happening over the last couple of days. And it's sad, you know. You never want to see somebody die, especially on in a car accident. You know, it seems it's it's such a common way to travel in such a terrible. And way. when I was flying in the helicopter every day, we were averaging at least seeing a dead person once or uh, twice a week, um, and that that's a lot. I mean, we saw a lot of tragic situations and i saw another one today um you know so it's right. just it's sad when somebody was this guy was driving his his truck and uh rolled it over and he was thrown out of the truck and it rolled over him so you know this and some family's going to be uh, affected tragically affected by yep. by that for the rest of their lives uh i don't do you have food allergies i don't have food allergies not that i'm aware of a uh, so. good thing because i i it seems that i can't go a day without eating some kind of peanut butter I love peanut butter. You and me both. Uh, so I understand how dangerous nut allergies can be for some people. So I was intrigued when I saw I saw this story, and it was titled, Travelers with Nut Allergies Clash with Airlines. Because everybody knows that you get peanuts on an airline, right? So the story reads, Roseanne Bloom and her family had just settled into their seats on a flight from Philadelphia to the Turks and Caicos Islands on Christmas morning when two airline employees ordered Roseanne, her husband, and two boys to get off the plane. Their luggage had also been removed. The problem, Roseanne had informed the crew that her teenage sons, both of them, had severe nut allergies. So Matt Miller, the spokesman for American Airlines, said that such decisions to take people off the plane are usually left up to the pilot. And, quote, the pilot determined it would be best for the family not to travel based on the severity of the allergy and the need to divert the plane if anyone were eating nuts, unquote. You can't blame the pilot, right? You cannot blame the pilot. No, especially since he's going to be flying basically over water the entire exactly. time, right? And there's no good place to stop. It's not like he's going cross-country and he can just divert to Kansas City. Right. Absolutely. So everyone knows airlines and, and peanuts go together. Absolutely. Uh, but the practice also presents a challenge to travelers with severe allergies who can suffer reaction just by touching a surface that has been exposed to peanuts. Well, when families request permission, the story goes on, to pre-board to clean their seats. I think this is where the problem is. Or they ask whether nuts will be served. They risk being taken off the flight or threatened with removal. Two formal complaints now have been filed with the Department of Transportation in the last month that are accusing American Airlines of discrimination against passengers with allergies who are not allowed to pre-board the airplane so they could wipe down the seats and the tray tables so the risk would be lower. Studies show that in-flight medical emergencies are relatively uncommon. Allergic reactions, they say, make up fewer than 4% of all in-flight medical emergencies, so that risk isn't very great. I don't know a lot of people with food with nut. There's one kid in my daughter's second-grade class that has a peanut allergy. I mean, it's a big deal in classrooms. My wife is a teacher. We've talked about that before, and it's something that she takes into account anytime they're planning a party or things like that. The kids can't bring in any treats with peanuts in them, anything even resembling that They don't serve it in the cafeteria for these exact reasons. I had a friend who passed away because of a nut allergy because he ate something with nuts in it and they couldn't get him the EpiPen in time. The things can be really serious. And so for those reasons, when I hear something like this, you know, you really empathize with the families who are having their vacations ruined, theoretically. But you cannot fault the pilot for this because no. you can't allow these people to walk into a dangerous situation. Right. But I think what what's happening here is that the passengers then are getting upset that they are not allowed to also pre-board to get on early so then they can wipe down the seats, wipe down the tray tables, the armrests, and just the general area around their seats so it'll be cleaner and so the risk actually would be lower. And, and, and I guess the parents were okay enough with it on that air, air, air fl- and the plane, on the, on the flight, so... 
but but, well, you're, but you're right. You can't you can't fault the pilot in this situation. That's what I'm thinking, and I'm wondering how much the mother sold the peanut allergy when she was talking to the flight crew. Because if it was one of those where the mother walked up to him and said, you know, if he inhales peanut dust, he's going to have a deathly reaction. Yeah. Oh, then they're going to freak out. That's what I'm saying. Like, right. They are completely entitled. And we don't know to how that, that conversation went. You're exactly. Right. So you know, and the interesting thing here too is that American Airlines actually doesn't serve peanuts anymore. But the airline does have a peanut policy. Now, their peanut policy states request that we not serve any particular foods, including tree nuts on our flights, cannot be granted. We are not able to provide nut buffer zones, nor are we allowed passengers to pre-board to wipe down seats and tray tables. I don't know why they don't do that. that that's, that's not that big a deal. I agree with that. Ultimately, we cannot guarantee customers will not be exposed to peanuts or other nuts during the flight, and allowing people with nut allergies to pre-board can create a false sense of security and does not eliminate risk. Well, of course it doesn't eliminate risk, but then the risk is then put, I would think, on the passenger who thinks that they are eliminating the risk. And maybe some people have a lower risk of the peanut allergy than others. Like you say, just maybe inhaling it with the dust can can send you into a convulsion, but maybe you have to actually eat it and ingest it to actually get a reaction. Right. There's very You're aware of this. There's very different levels of severity with something like that. The story continues saying each airline makes its own rules about pre-boarding and some airlines are more accommodating to passengers with food allergies. Now, they say JetBlue will create a nut-free buffer zone around an allergic passenger if they know about it. That, that seems pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Southwest says they will avoid serving peanuts in flight and the attendants know if there's an allergic pa- passenger on board, then they'll, they'll just not serve the peanuts. Delta's policy is also to refrain refrain from serving peanuts if an allergic passenger is on board, at least if they know about it. I I wouldn't mind not having peanuts on a flight. It doesn't bother me. We bring usually our own snacks of some other sort. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But there have been times we have brought other snacks like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for my kids during a long flight, not even thinking that maybe the person sitting next to us might have a peanut allergy or somebody around us. Absolutely, um, it, it's really just never crossed my mind because we don't have pet, uh, you know, nut allergies. And um, but maybe I guess I think about it in the future. I just thought this was, it was interesting. Well, and nut allergies are such a strange thing. You know what I mean? Because a lot of us who don't suffer from them, you don't even think twice about it. But then I had a photographer at my last station who had a really severe nut allergy, and I'd come in and eat my peanut butter sandwich, and I'd look at Jermaine and be like. Sorry, dude. I didn't even think about it. Yep. You know, and he'd have to go sit somewhere else until the, the air sort of dissipated. It's a serious thing. And unfortunately, it has to be the parents to take accountability for it because you can't count on the airlines or the other passengers to do that for you. Yeah. So I, I'm wondering how this is going to affect you. everything. When you see a story like this, what's going to happen is we're going to see it in the future about and we're going to see new policies and we're going to see uh, maybe that you can't bring food on board and only certain foods can be brought on board and. Man, that's a slippery slope, though, right? Certain foods can only be brought on board. The stuff that they sell in the airport. Exactly. Exactly. Right. (laughs) So I'm making another concerted effort, really, to to be healthier. I was trying to be healthier for a while, and then, you know, then came December. and (laughs) The great ruiner of diets. (laughs) It completely is. Um, and so I, I try to go walking on my treadmill in my basement every day. I, I don't have a gym membership. And, and like so most people, I, I don't have time. I wouldn't even, if, even if I did, I wouldn't have time in my day to go to the gym. So that, that's why the story piqued my interest when, when I saw it. It says there are several exercises you can do while you're sitting in traffic in your car. 
I thought, okay, let's let's take a look at this and see what I could do. Uh, you know, it's not like I have the ab cruncher or something in the car. No. Right. All right. So it says here are some neck exercises. All right. You're supposed to turn your neck from one side, hold for five seconds, repeat on the other side. All right. You know, that's that's a stretch. I mean, honestly, that's just you're stretching. You're, you're looking both sides. Agreed. All right. Uh, here's another one they say. Sit straight. Look forward and tilt your head to one side, ear to shoulder. You should feel the stretch on the side of your neck. Hold for five seconds. Stretch again. All right. That's another stretch. You're doing it right now. We're clearly not getting swole. Is this, is this helping you out? <laughs> so you're supposed to just, I guess, move your head around. That's not an exercise. That's a stretch. The, yeah. Unless you want really huge neck muscles. Even, yep. Okay. Uh, here's a, here's another. It says, sit upright and look all the way, chin to chest, until you feel the stretch at the back. All right, come on. That's, you're just basically moving your head around. Well, that, but that, that's not even good advice, though. You're, it says exercises do while you're in traffic, and then it says sit upright and look all the way down. Yeah, so exactly. <laughs> that's probably not a good idea if you're about to crash into the person <laughs> in front of you. That's what I'm saying. Uh, so here, right, here, here's their trunk exercises. Sitting straight, rotate your trunk to one side. Hold for five seconds. Repeat on the other side. Look, I'm not. I'm not recommending that you're going to hold your steering wheel while doing this because you might switch lanes unexpectedly if you're trying to twist your body around. Right? Absolutely. It might be a little tough depending on the car seat you're in or the car you're in. It, I, it would be kind of tough in my little car. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it in the Jetta. And, and this that. so back exercise. So I, I I have low back pain. A lot of people have low back pain. So. Um, uh, I, this piques my interest. From a normal sitting position in the car, slowly roll your bottom forward away from the seat uh, so as to form an arch in the small of your back. Hold for five seconds and slowly roll your back flat against the seat. Repeat this process two to five times. I actually do this all the time. Do you? I don't just do this when, like, when I'm driving and I'm on cruise control. I do this like at least once every 10 minutes or so. When I'm here at work and I'm at a desk for eight hours straight, I also do this Is this, this like a hip exercise. thrust kind of thing? Like, You're just trying to roll your back a I little bit? I don't need to demonstrate because this is not a visual <laughs> podcast. But basically, I mean, it's just to pop out your back a little bit, like get the inverse going so you get your, a lot of muscle movement in there. It, that, that one I respect. But again, not getting jacked doing that. No. and You, you say, you're, you're right. You're not going to ja- get jacked up. You're not going to go ahead and drink the powder protein and uh they say this helps mobilize your back especially if you're unable to sit for long periods due to backache or stiffness and i have plenty of that all right so here we go back to the part where you needed the protein powder shake so you could do your car exercises you do i can't get over that Uh, all right here's your arm exercises so you can get huge lean forward and put both hands to the back wait a minute who's holding onto the steering wheel now so pull shoulders to the back and hold for five seconds. I, I guess you'll have to do that at a stoplight or a stop sign or something because it requires you to let go of the steering wheel if you have both of your hands on your back. More bad advice, man. Here's the disclaimer in the story, of course. Quote, you should not do these exercises while driving, unquote. Well, the story was saying that you're supposed to be able to do these while you're driving. Yep. Driving exercises. Shh, but don't do it while you're driving. Yeah. Do it while you're riding in the express in the HOV lane, right? The HOV plus three. So, are you supposed to just put on the emergency brake and then do the exercises, and then uh, then continue on and stop and go traffic? It's red light traffic. <sighs> I, they also say if you're taking a break to do the exercises, it's advisable to turn the engine off. Not if I'm on I twenty five. I'm not. Turn the engine off. 
Turn the <laughs> come on. Exercise so first, in your car, but don't drive the car. Just get in the car. So <laughs> I guess that's what it is now. Get to a parking lot. Get in your car. Keep it off. Do these exercises, and then motor on down the way. Down the way. You're not going to get jacked, but you might feel a little bit looser. Maybe. You're going to feel full from your protein powder shake that you just downed while you're sitting in your car. So there you go. I I, I don't think we are going to get jacked. Did, did we this. cite this article? Where did this advice come from? It came from somewhere. I don't know. I didn't. I I didn't write. Man, it not going to that website. <laughs> Taken out of the. I'll rotation. remember that for future use. All right. Well, you know what? I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to go out right now. Go out to the car after my uh, last couple of reports here, and then uh, and I'm going to go do some exercises in the car. We'll make sure the engine's not running. Uh, the bonus that I uh, just popped in my head, actually, if you start to get sweaty while you're doing these exercises, you can just crank up the air conditioner, and then you have instant cooling, right? <laughs> Hopefully you have those leather, or you don't have leather or vinyl seats, because it can get kind of sticky if you're all sweaty. Have you been, like... Have you gone out, like, running around or whatever, and you get in the car? I had a leather couch, man, and I'd come home from a run, and you just <laughs> stick to it. You know, ugh, yeah. It doesn't look like you run. It doesn't. You're... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for that. That's this okay. is not a visual podcast, but maybe we should put your picture out there. Uh, you can see him at, uh, what, Denver, at uh, Joseph7? Seven, seven, Joseph, Joseph Denver 7. Yes, Joseph Denver 7 on the Twitter, and you'll see pictures of Joseph. And his running ability. Yes, all right. All right, thanks again. That's a good time to end the podcast. Thanks again for uh, listening, for subscribing, su- uh, for supporting us. We appreciate it very much. And uh, and I guess that's about it. So until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the traffic guy. Joseph Peters, the overnight producer. Stay safe. And as always, happy motoring. Happy motoring.